1: All right, welcome. It is Bowerly, News Radio 930, WBEN. So, this whole thing started yesterday. I was forwarded an email from a lady who had purchased a house. In the house, she found a bunch of World War II stuff, including a bunch of old audio recordings. And we did that for a little while because we wanted your ideas on what this lady could do with that stuff because she didn't really want it and I'm not really taking anything into my home anymore. So uh, after a while, I thought, you know what? I would bet you that there are people listening to the show who have some really cool family heirlooms around that would be interesting stories. I would bet you anything. For example... We just had a call from a guy whose uh, grandmother was from Poland and was in a slave labor camp five years. Five years. And he has her dress to this day. That, to me, is remarkable. That something that old... You know, wouldn't have fallen to rags. It's not like they uh it's not like they were given the very best of the very best clothing in those camps. So what do you have around the house that is a family heirloom? I know somebody who's got a vintage automobile. It's in mint condition, and it is a family heirloom. I don't even want to guess how much money it's worth. I I'm just gonna say a fortune. It is absolutely mint condition beautiful, and that also is a family heirloom. So a lot of these things have to do with conflict and war, but not necessarily. We've had calls about scrapbooks, your connection to your past, and it's important, I think, that all of us realize that history did not begin the story of this world did not begin when your mom spat you out of her loins okay it's been going on for a long time and when you can actually reach out and touch something that belonged to somebody who is kind of far back in your family tree to me that's that's a special feeling i get a very special feeling when i hold my great great grandfather's civil war diary in my hand i i literally Cannot believe that I'm holding this thing that my great-great-grandfather held, not just held, but held when he was in the trenches of Petersburg, Virginia. That is incredible to me. And how many of you saw the Peter Jackson film, They Shall Not Grow Old? It is, now people say, well, don't call it a documentary. I, I don't know what you're going to call it. It was a wonderfully done piece of work where Peter Jackson restored World War II, I'm sorry, World War I movies, colorized World War I movies, had lip readers figure out what people were saying and then overdub them onto the World War One movies. And then Featured interviews that had been done, obviously, when World War I veterans were still alive and kicking. Um, and you hear the voices of the soldiers themselves. And I've often thought that if you were a member of their family, that movie and those recordings have got to be absolutely uh, treasures to you. And if you look online, you'll see that there are voice recordings of Civil War veterans. There are voice recordings of people who had been slaves. And you listen to those recordings, and it's just, it's one thing to read history in a book. It's another thing to taste history. It's another thing to... Um, feel like you are a part of it, to hear the actual voices of people who were involved in these epic struggles and these horrible circumstances and also, also these great circumstances. I mean, you might have had uh, an ancestor who is a big deal, a real success, and you might have well, the solid gold pen that somehow made it down to you in the family tree. 803-0930-STAR-930, 1-800-616-WBEN. I've got my great-grandfather's spectacles. No, not testicles. Spectacles. Uh, let's go to uh, Jethro in uh, West Seneca. Jethro, you're on WBEN. Welcome to the show. You have something cool? Good afternoon, Tom. It's cool to me. Um, and the story
2: behind it is really what makes it cool to me, I guess. Um, About a year and a half ago, I did one of those um, family tree websites, and I did the DNA thing with it. Uh, My family's quite the boondoggle. Uh, My father says our, our surname was changed. We didn't know when or by who, and he always would tell me there was this one family name, and I didn't believe him. So I did some research without the DNA, and it took me down one path. Well, I did the DNA, and lo and behold, all these people are starting to pop up as descendants of my my family so uh one person reached out to me and they said oh you know you're my third i think it's like third cousin and i have your great grandmother's brooch and i said what to me i was like oh okay uh we went back and forth messaging each other through the the web service and she says well you know what send me your address i'll send it to you no i said okay this was during covid i'm thinking you know whatever sure what what the heck it's not going to cost me anything to do this right So I started my address, and she says, "Yeah, you know, your great grandmother had this. Um, Your her sister was my her mother, and uh, she would always see her wearing a brooch. So she gave it to her. It's just a piece of costume jewelry," she said. So, like, but if you want it, I'd love for you to have it. I said, "Really? This is something that's been in your family uh, more than mine. Wouldn't you want to keep it for yourself?" And she says, "No, I'd rather have it be in the hands of." your great-grandmother Rose's descendants, and you said you have a daughter. I want your daughter to have this. Wow. And I said, well, that'd be cool. Sure, why not? And about six months go by, she says, I want you to know I didn't forget about you. I've been out of the country. I'm going to send it once I get back. So, okay. Last week, I go out to my mailbox, and I get there's a a small package in the mailbox from a Canadian residence. I said, what's this? I open it up, and I read it, and it's, from this person in Canada who's this third cousin of mine, and it's this brooch. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. She took the time to do this, and it's even more cool because I don't know much of my family history at all beyond my grandparents.
1: That that so is so is really that it, cool. You know what? That is so cool. And the, the genealogy, the DNA stuff is fascinating. And I, I it has allowed me to hook up with people I didn't know were relatives who have been nice enough to actually um, read uh, actually translate and get more information on my great great grandfather's uh, civil war diary and uh, it's just it's a remarkable thing but i think what uh, a lot of people would be curious to know the names that your father had mentioned as being involved in your family tree were those the names that came back in the family search of the dna after some deeper diving yes it was ah. i
2: was i was floored the name I'll, I'll use because it it's not a name we use anymore. It's Herkinroder, and I couldn't believe it because it's nowhere near the Celtic-sounding name I have now as my surname. I was floored because my great grandfather was grew up in Chicago. Somehow wound up in Niagara Falls, met my great grandmother who came over on a, a an orphanage uh, boat, basically from England, uh, because her father was died in a workhouse. And they somehow, somewhere, my great-grandfather changed his last name to what it is now. And uh, what I have now is a last name. And they immigrated from Canada into back into the States. And my great-grandmother actually got deported from the States because she was visiting on an expired visa. Oh, no, no. She, yes, she got deported to Canada. And the Canadians found out. And the Canadians sent her back to England.
1: No. Yes. When was this? This couldn't have been recently, obviously. No, obviously, this was this was my great great grandmother. I'm sorry, they got deported. Twice. That uh, uh, that what so we're talking 1920s ish. Wow, I dude, that 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 is an amazing family history. But is it a little bit weird knowing that your last name should be something else? Yes,
2: it is because if you look at me, you would definitely think I'm Celtic and to see that I have so much Germanic roots is really ironic.
1: And the ironic thing, too, you're talking to a guy with a German last name who has so many relatives in Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales, it's not funny. But yeah, uh, it's, it, this DNA stuff is incredible
2: when you get into it a little bit.
1: Oh, oh, it, are, are you kidding me? For years, people had said, are you Asian? I'd say, I don't think so. And then the DNA, oh, <laughs> I guess I am, Tibet and Mongolia. Who knew? Um, Thank you very much. I appreciate the call. It's all in the eyes. Uh, Thank you very much, Jethro. Thanks, Tom. My uh, my grandson has the same eyes, poor little guy. Anyway, (laughs) he's a cute kid. Um, It is, uh, of course, we all think our grandkids are cute, and I know. It's uh, 21 minutes after 3, and that whole last name thing is fascinating. Um, And I I can kind of relate because my great-grandfather was born out of wedlock. And for the first 18 years of his life, His name was Guttler, Guttler, and when his parents did marry, he got the name Bowerly, which was his father, uh, that was his actual father's name, so long story short, I think there's a lot of that that goes around, and if you do the DNA, um, it's fascinating to me because a lot of the families will come up as Bueller Bueller? No, as as Bueller or Buell, which is the town in Baden Wurttemberg um, from which uh he, he came. obvia Buell Um, I mean, maybe Clint Buhlman was a relative. I guess we'll never know. But anyway, he used to be the morning man here at WBEN for many, many decades and a a Buffalo broadcast legend. But um, anyway, because we identify so many times with our last names, with our surnames. And there are a lot of women who don't want to change their names once they get married. Um, and I, you know what, in a weird way, I kind of understand that because it is kind of your identity. Um, and you know, the, the hyphenated name thing, I, I, I understand that. Um, but that's also not a bad idea for a show. Is it wrong for women not to take their husband's name when they get married? And there are many reasons why the woman might want to hold on to her name. She might be part of a family business and the name of the business contains her last name. Well, why should she give that up? She shouldn't because that cuts a lot of ice when you call and the person you are talking to has the same last name as the business, right? Okay, 803, I mean, whoever would have guessed that my last name was Webin, Um, W-B-E-N, bad joke. All right, let's go to Ted in Lackawanna. You're on W-B-E-N. Welcome to the show.
3: Hey, Tom, uh, nice to talk to you again. Um, I, uh, my grandfather, uh, uh, my mother's father, was a musician, um, and uh, he played uh, many different instruments. Primarily, uh, he was a saxophonist and a clarinetist. Uh, family history says that he was the clarinetist for the Three Stooges theme song. No. Um, I, I cannot verify that. Uh, it makes a great story.
1: <laughs> how would you ever look that up it's, it's got to be in the record somewhere
3: i i assume that that it's got to be written down in place. um i it would take it would take a lot of effort and i don't know that i want to go through the effort and find <laughs> out that it's not correct
1: so do you have <laughs> you do know, you have any of the do you have his old saxophone or anything we do. Um, we have all of his instruments. My brother has uh, his saxophone.
3: Because my brother played that in high school. Um, I've got his clarinet and his violin, which was my first uh, size instrument. I played grandpa's violin. Um, along with the violin uh, came, you know, the, along with all the instruments, but uh, the violin especially came a lot of music, a, a lot of sheet music. Um and the piece that I wanted to mention to you today, uh, that's as I told your screener, it's got some historical interest. Uh, is a an etude book uh, by uh, Mr. Matsus, uh, 32 progressive etudes for the violin, uh, little pieces to help you know young students learn different techniques uh, in violin playing. And uh, starting at the beginning of the book, um, sometime in March all of the uh you know all of the the pages are dated starting you know 3 seven the next one uh, a week later 314 321 and so on um the only one that has a year attached is the very last uh, and that date was October 28th of 1929 uh, oh do you, re- do you recognize that date
1: it, yeah like one day before the stock market crashed
3: well, that was that was Black Monday. That was the, the beginning of the, the stock market crash, um, and uh, I've always thought that it was just it was fascinating. You know the uh, you know the the young kid named Stanley in Buffalo, um, probably in his early teens, uh, you know, and and working his way through these you know through these uh, little student violin pieces while much larger events were going on in the world around them um and it's I just thought it was a, a I've always loved that little a2 book I I played that's, out of it when I was in my early teens
1: that's an amazing story uh, October 29th the, is called Black Tuesday by the way for the stock market fans out there I would just like to point out that that was Trump's fault um
3: uh, well yeah obviously I would just
1: like to point that uh, out. <laughs> Everything else is right. Um, Exactly, Uh, but that—that's a super cool story. Especially the old musical instruments. I've got to believe that there's a market for vintage saxophones out there. Like I just threw out this 1954 Stratocaster, mint condition. But what am I going to do with an old guitar? Um, Well, you know what? I mean, sometimes
3: things get old. You got to make room for the new stuff, Tom.
1: (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. A 1954 Stratocaster uh, would fetch a decent amount of money in good condition. It uh, thank, certainly would. It... Thank, thank you, Ted. I appreciate the call. All right, all right, you, good, Tom. good stuff. All right, so scrapbook and old musical instruments that that still work, that still play. And by the way, old musical instruments. I often wonder how many mint condition classic guitars are in attics in Western New York. I wonder about that. How many vintage Rolex watches? are tucked away in a shoebox in somebody's attic. Not in my attic. My attic just has insulation and dust, maybe a few spiders hanging out. It is uh, 327 at News Radio 930 WBEN. Don't you wish sometimes you had x-ray vision and you could look into people's attics and say, Oh, wow. They've got a vintage white falcon there. That's kind of cool. Ooh, and there's a Gretsch country gentleman. Oh, and a fender amp from 1958. That would be awesome. And there's so much of that stuff, and we'll never see it. I and I wonder how many people buy houses or or they somebody dies and they're cleaning them out. That's eh, this one. It eh, looks like an old radio to me. Let's just chuck that in the in the dumpster when they could retire on it. Anyway, it is Bowerly Fort Monroe Chiropractic. And Monroe Chiropractic. Hey, we saved this song until November, Josh. You're messing with my mojo. It is uh, Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Welcome to the show. We ended with this yesterday, so I wanted to start off with it today. Um, what kind of cool family heirlooms do you have? in your household that have come down to you through the family over the years. And if you listen to yesterday's show, you know the uh, how this topic came about. But one of the most uh, vivid scenes, and again, it's movie, it's fiction, but dances with wolves. Think about that scene where the Native Americans are gently unfolding, was it a blanket, cloth, to reveal this uh, circa 1500 Spanish conquistador helmet like, okay, that's super cool. Anybody have a Spanish Conquistador helmet around that has been kept in your family for years? That would be quite a find. 803-0930, star 930, one 616 wben And those DNA tests, which have become more and more widespread, I happen to think they are awesome. But. You know what? Every time the words DNA test come up on this show, I receive email from people saying, yeah, um, found out that my son wasn't my son. Found out my daughter wasn't my daughter. It's, it, it, they are really awesome, but as far as revealing family secrets— uh the dna is an impartial judge of morality all it can do is give you the science and i've heard some horror stories about uh let's just say uh, domestic situations which have gotten uh oh uh, i would say heated maybe not ugly but heated um when the truth came out in the wash 803 9 or in the DNA, as the case may be, 803-0930, star 930, one 616 wben And uh, so we've had so many great calls today, and I'm just thinking about the lady whose aunt, aunt or great, great aunt, uh, born in 1898. Uh, anyway, her middle name, Manila, because she was born the same day as the Battle of Manila Bay. You may open fire when ready, Gridley, or whatever the command was. But um, the fact that they had a family farm in Gettysburg, and as a little girl, she would follow her dad as he plowed up the fields and pick up bullets, shell fragments, one large or medium-sized cannonball. That's pretty awesome right there. But they never really talked about whether or not uh, human remains were found. And If you look this up online, I'll get right back to the calls, I'm sorry. If you look this up online, you will see that every year in France, the farmers, where all the World War I battles were, Belgium, the farmers, when they're plowing up their fields, uncover tons and tons of ordnance. And they actually send, I believe it's French army personnel around the country lanes of France to pick up and dispose of this uh, ancient, it's over a century old, ordinance. And it's still there. It's in the ground. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't walk away. So the farmers still plow it up. And of course, I, I have not heard of a case where a poison gas uh, ordnance uh, piece has has blown up but every now and again you'll you'll read in a german city or london they'll close down a few square blocks of a city because somebody digging something finds unexploded ordnance from a bombing raid from world war ii it's uh, it happens not infrequently let's go back to the calls on wben here is uh, mike in depew mike you're on wben hello
4: Hey, how you doing? You know, it's it's uh, kind of uh, unique and strange that you talked about a Spanish conquistador helmet. Uh, as a professor of history, I was out in uh, South Dakota, and I spoke with Kevin Costner's assistant. Her name is Sue, and I was uh, the name of the museum in South Dakota is called Tatanka, and it's where they did some of the filming. And I conveyed to her that when I was teaching over in Eastern Europe, uh, in the former Soviet Union, when they collapsed. Um, they were selling things out of desperation for money. Um, you could buy various amenities, but one of the things that was offered to me was a Spanish conquistador helmet for 300 US dollars. So that, uh, that to me is just striking and amazing. did you
1: buy it currency uh, Did you buy it?
4: I bought some things I'd, re- I'd rather not say because there's an issue. you are not allowed to bring things out of Europe prior to 1939. Uh, they were fearful because uh, U.S. Uh, tourists and Japanese tourists were going over there and virtually buying everything. So you have to be cautious and careful about what you bring in and out of uh, the airport. Well,
1: they we have to save something for the Chinese. Uh, but
4: Well, the other thing I wanted to share with you is being a professor of history, you cannot believe the things. Uh, I think I was a professor for about 37 years. The items that were brought to me, I'll share a few of them. Um, the students would typically bring in family artifacts and they didn't know what they were so they would say, "Well, uh... They, they would say professor can you explain to me what this might be and i got a whole host of things uh... one uh, uh, lady she was in her fifties and uh... she said my dad was in the uh... he was in the pacific he was in world war two as a mechanic and she brings in her her father's scrapbook for me to look at well it turns out he serviced the Enola Gay, which was the, no. aer- I kid you not, he had photographs of the crew of him working on that aircraft, and for the listeners, uh, that was the uh, aircraft that in August 1945 dropped the first atomic weapon on uh, on Hiroshima, Japan.
1: Well, let me, uh, I will at this point interject and say my friend Frank Panasuk of the 1791 Society actually spent a morning with Paul Tibbetts, the pilot of the Enola Gay. Really yeah. nice guy
4: customer. But uh, uh, I'll share a couple other things that were brought in. Um, I had another uh, young lady. um, I'll just mention her first name. It was Anna. And she brought me in a a photo album that she found at an estate sale in, in a barn, I believe out in Cattaraugus County. And she has me take a look at it. It was a photo album from the Confederate Prisoner of War Camp in Elmira, New York. So apparently someone's family member was associated with that particular camp. They had Dozens and dozens of photographs of prisoners and cardboard productions of the prisoners from, the, at the time, they called it Helmira. That was a priceless photo album book. You could never possibly buy one or two of these photographs. She found an entire book. and um, were, the were the prisoners were the prisoners named,
1: forgive, forgive the interruption, but were, were, did they, the prisoners have names on the photos?
4: Yeah, they, some of them were identified in names, some were not. Oh. Uh, then I uh, and so typically students would show up and ask me if I was interest, interested in buying these things because to them it, it had no real historical or emotional uh, value so they were more than often willing to sell these things. I had another student who came in with a pistol, uh, a Richards and Harrison uh, pistol and it was from the turn of the century. Uh, when they drained I believe it's Rushford Lake, they found the pistol just about 20 feet from the shore so someone disposed of a pistol at the turn of the century and yet you have to wonder about the story behind that Uh huh. and then lastly uh, I wanted to share this with you because in knowledge is power West New York is a great bed of of a hotbed of activity relative to historical items Um, I routinely go to garage sales estate sales things that they are fully unaware of they'll ask for an explanation And generally speaking, most people are willing to part with these things. Western New York just has an absolute treasure trove of of these things. And I would encourage people, if you have any interest in history, to go out when the weather's nice and peruse barns, garage sales. Uh, I am always amazed at the things that that manifest. Um, And again, knowledge is power. And most people... Even on my way out to the college campus, I would see people putting things out for barns. They had World War One helmets. I would say, "Do you know what this is?" And they would say, "Not really." And it didn't really mean anything to them. And the stories that were associated with their family members—oh, I had a great uncle who was in World War One. Uh, Civil War muskets were brought to me on a regular basis. So, it, to me, this is amazing. But to most people, they don't either have an emotional attachment or they have a lack of understanding of the history. But you live in a great region to secure some of these things.
1: Um, Very, very interesting. The uh, Elmira photo album. Let me just get back to that. There was a Confederate prisoner of war camp in Elmira, New York. And by the way, the United States uh, was no better than the Confederates at Andersonville in treatment of prisoners of war, just to point that out. The the photograph, whatever became of that album, have you any idea?
4: That particular item, the young lady chose when I explained to her what it was. She chose to keep that. And, you know, some of the stories, and people may not be familiar, uh, most of those prisoners were expedited by railroad. Um, often th- when the prisoners died, they would simply throw them off the train along the side of the tracks. And there are burial sites along uh, tracks heading up to New York State where those uh, particular bodies were dumped. The ones that they can determine, uh, that, that's actually a grave site. And I also have an uncle that lives right next to the Gettysburg uh, battlefield, and I've been down there and talked with uh, certain people. It it is amazing the things that, that manifest. And as a, prof- as a professor of history, I can appreciate that, and I know your background is in history. To me, it, it is just all-consuming, and that's, that's my passion in life.
1: Well, I, I thank you very much for the call. I mean, I'm, I don't know if you collect this stuff. I am I'm past the collecting point of my life and more in the distribution point of my life. But uh, I thank you very much, Mike, uh, for the call. Much appreciated. Um, Do you have family relics? And we just heard about a whole bunch of different family relics from this guy who's a history professor uh, that he's been asked to examine over the years. And I I thought the same thing you did when the guy said, and this one kid brought a turn of the century pistol to school. I thought to myself, "Uh oh, man, if this was 20, if that was 2022, somebody would be under arrest in a big hurry. But. When you re- when you hear about stories like that like a pistol being recovered from Rushford Lake, why would somebody throw a perfectly good pistol into a remote lake at the turn of the century or at from the turn of the century? Kind of makes you wonder. Did they do ballistics on it? Um just wondering. Talking about the uh, family heirloom that you have, something that you possess that came down to you through the family. And there are a couple of things that surprise me, okay? Now, we've had a a bunch of people with some interesting things that have nothing to do with human conflict or war. But I'm surprised that nobody inherited their great-great-grandfather's Buffalo Fire Department helmet or Buffalo Police Department badge. Somebody has that. You see them at flea markets. You see them at antique stores. You'll see old badges from time to time. I mean, that has got to be... Especially for those of you for whom firefighting is a family affair, it would be super cool, I would think anyway, to look at a fire helmet and say, hey, this is what my great-great-grandfather wore back in 1890 when he was fighting fires in Buffalo and they had to have horse-drawn pumpers taking them to fires, which in the middle of winter probably wouldn't have been a lot of fun. Um, and we lost so many beautiful buildings to fire back before modern uh, building and fire suppression methods uh, came into being. Let's go to uh, Neil in Forestville on WBEN. Neil, you've got a valuable, valuable to you family relic. Yeah, it's a model of the, X, the Bell X1A. The X1A, was that the really, really fast one? Yes, sir. I think
5: they called them the Starbusters. They were the the Mach uh, three or four, I believe. Um, um, my grandfather was it. What's the story? Of, what's elect- the
1: story behind how you got that?
5: My great grandfather was an electrician at uh, Bell Aircraft. Seriously, and it,
1: yeah, he probably stole it off somebody's desk or something. I don't know.
5: <laughs>
1: I was hoping for something a little bit more lofty than that. Um, so what, what? I mean, how how big is this?
5: I actually sent you a picture at, uh, at com.
1: So. Well, but can you describe it for people who are listening who don't have access to my email?
5: It's a typical model. It's something that would have sat on the, uh, you know, the engineer's desk or something that from the original build.
1: Top speed 958 miles an hour. Rocket engine powered aircraft. Originally known as the XS1. Um, that's super cool so do you have somebody to whom you're going to pass it on uh, it'll go it'll stay
5: in the family uh she's got his original uh job application to bell aircraft and and a few other antiques. how do you
1: how do you like that i bet there's a lot of bell aircraft memorabilia out there in people's uh uh in, in people's on, on people's desks and in their showcases and and cupboards and stuff um thank you very much neil appreciate it a model, founders, huh? a model of a Bell X1A. For some reason, I was reading about that within the last few days, and remember how we talk about, hey, you go on the internet, you type in something, and you end up somewhere you never expected to be, and end up fascinated by what you've discovered, and that was one of those days, but... It always ends up with yeah with German dungeon. It it always does. It is uh, three fifty five at News Radio nine thirty W B E N. You guys want me to continue this? I mean I, I'll, I I can run with this a little while longer if you want me to because uh, the calls are really really good. Very very interesting stuff. Um, your family heirloom that has been passed on to you. And I talked about my great-great-grandfather's Civil War diary. I also have his pin, his membership pin from the Union Veterans Legion. And what is super cool, for me anyway, is there's only one picture of my great-great-grandfather, the Civil War guy. In that picture, he's wearing the pin that I have. So I can literally touch something that my great-great-grandfather put into the lapel of his uh, probably the only suit he ever owned. They didn't have a lot of money. It is uh, 356 at News Radio 930 WBEN. Of course, what they lacked in money, they made up for in handsome, debonair good looks, which uh, continue to be passed on through the family today. <clears throat> so 357 at News Radio 930 WBEN.